It's time to hit the road. Whether the destination is certain or the adventure is in the unknown. The open highway beckons. Leave it all behind and wonder. Where this journey will take you. Well, how's it going, Hosanna? My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here, and I love saying that because I love being a pastor here. And we are on a road trip in a series called Road Trip, and I, I trust that you're having a good time with this. It's why there's a car on stage, by the way, in case you're visiting us for the first time. We've got this 59 Nomad right here, and it looks like fun. How many of you would like to take it for a spin after? Okay. Well, in Lakeville, you could do that. Maybe. We need to talk to people. In Shakopee, though, welcome to Shakopee. Uh, it is going to be on your campus next week, so don't miss that. What's going to be here at Lakeville? A car that is very similar in just about every way, a little bit different, but you'll have to come and see it, all right? So wherever you are, glad you're with us on this road trip. If you're joining us online, maybe you're at your cabin trying to grab one of those last summer weekends. Is that true? We are already just at the end of summer, but I'm sorry. Uh, don't shoot me. I'm just the messenger. It's, it's, uh, it's coming up on fall. Um, we are, are in this series, and I'm pumped to, to continue it, but first I need to say it's good to be back. Our family was on a trip in Washington State, where both our families are from, and we're back now. We're feeling renewed and, and uh, reconnected as a family, but I need to tell you, this trip that we just took left a mark on me, literally, okay? Um, I, in fact, three marks. I have one here and here and one right here. here there's a story behind it. So like a lot of you, uh, we've been watching the Olympics. And so we were at my, my in-laws last week and they have a pool. And so we were in the pool and our two oldest boys said, hey, dad, you want to race? I said, sure. And now I wear contacts. And so when I swim underwater, I, I swim with my eyes closed and I misjudged how close I was to the wall. And as I was cruising into the finish line, boom, right here, right here, and right here. I don't even, that's how fast, that's how powerful of a swimmer I am. Okay? And I want you to know I won. All right? They are 10 and 6. But they got to learn humility along the way. So left a mark, and I hope this series is leaving a mark on you. Uh, road trips leave a mark on us, and whether you have been along for the ride at, at Hosanna for a long, long time, or you are just hopping on board, uh, this is a series that we are on together, and, and it's leaving a mark. And, and road trip series, uh, road trips, I should say, leave a mark in a number of ways. They leave a mark in terms of how we see ourselves when we get away. We see ourselves more clearly when we get away from the, the, the hurry, the hustle, and the bustle, and, and we see other people. We connect at a deeper level with people and when we get away. It was so good on our road trip to, to just be together as a family and look at each other. And it was good for me to, to remember, I like this family. I'm glad they let me be a part of it, you know? And, and, then, and then when we go on road trips, it expands our view of the world. Right? And we, we're reminded there's this much bigger world out there. And we get out of our bubble. And if we're open to it, when we go on a road trip, literally or figuratively speaking in our lives, we, we, um, we can be stretched in terms of how we see God. Uh, God can, can show us more of who he is and how he acts and how he sees people. That can happen on a road trip. It certainly happened on all the road trip stories that we've looked at in the series, the, the road trip stories from, from the Bible. So road trips, they, they're good for us. They, they stretch our souls. They stretch our relationships. 
and they're almost always good for relationships, except for this one that I'm about to tell you about. First year of marriage, uh, Jen and I went on a road trip. Now, we're both firstborn, so the first 10 years of our marriage was like one long conversation about who was in charge. We finally figured out after 10 years who was in charge. God. (laughs) Then me. No, just kidding. You you don't believe that for a second. Uh, But we were on this road trip, first year of our marriage, and and, and as you can imagine, as I just explained, uh, we didn't always agree on where we should go and where we should stop. Except for one destination, we were on the same page 100%. We agreed. We had to stop on this road trip. We had to stop at Wall Drug. All right, we just had to. Because the signs start about 400 miles from Wall, South Dakota. And so we saw this sign 400 and some miles. We think we should probably stop there. It sparked our curiosity. And then at about 150 miles after multiple signs in between, we're thinking, we have to stop. This is, this is going to be part of our trip now. By the time you get to the exit for Wall Drug, you're thinking, we have to stop here or our lives are going to be incomplete somehow, right? Our lives are going to ultimately lack meaning unless we stop at Wall Drug. And then we stop at Wall Drug. Have you ever been to Wall Drug? Now, I know some of you have, and you like it, okay? So I'm sorry, Trevor, our tech director, he likes it. But, but, but you stop at Wall Drug, and you think, really? I mean, 457 miles away, and all this hype, and all this buildup, and these signs, and you get there, and you think, really? I mean, I don't, I don't mean to offend anybody from South Dakota, but this is like... Trinketville, all right, this is Souvenir Central, okay, which would be fine if it, if it was in New York City, but this is South Dakota souvenirs, okay, and so there's all this buildup, all this hype, all these sides, you're like pulled into wall drug like a tractor beam, like we have to stop there, and then you get there, and, and this is probably understated, but it is a little anticlimactic, there's a letdown, And you walk away going, did I just waste an hour of my life? I mean, I'm never going to get that time back in my life. Now, I'm overstating this a little bit to make a point, really to to ask this question. And that is, are we stopping on the road trips of our lives? Are we stopping for the right things? Or are we getting pulled into like a tractor beam? These hyped up, built up destinations. And we stop there and we say, we have to stop there. Our lives are going to be incomplete. And then we go, really? 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 Is that really what life's about? Are we stopping for the right things? Now, unless you are feeling a little bit numb in life or you're sleepwalking through life, which, which does happen, by the way. It's one of the, the great ploys of the devil to, to get us numb to what's going on around us. But unless you are numb or sleepwalking, that question, are we stopping for the right things, should unsettle you a little bit. I, mean, I just say that pastorally. It unsettles me a little bit. Am I stopping for the right things the right destinations, the right attractions in life. And if you are a little unsettled and a little stirred up right now, then you would naturally ask this question, and that is, what are the right things? What are the things worth stopping for? I'm glad you asked. Because we are going to look at a passage of scripture that will point us to three things, three destinations, three roadside attractions, if you will, that are always worth stopping for. Three, Three destinations you never have to wonder, is that the right thing to stop for? Should I stop here? Is this worth my time? You never have, that's such, and that, by the way, that is a gift to us, to know that there are some things you never have to question, are they worth stopping for? So this passage of scripture is found in Acts chapter eight, 
We're getting deep, deep, deep into the word here at Hosanna because it transforms our lives. And so we encourage you, not just when you come on the weekends, but, but throughout the week to be getting into the word of God. And in this passage in Acts chapter 8, it's on page 659 in one of the red Bibles, if you grabbed one of those on the way in, which by the way, if you don't have a Bible, you can just take it with you, take it home with you. It's yours, that Bible. A little background on this passage, Philip is the one who's going to be on a road trip. Now, this isn't the Philip you may have heard of before, one of the 12, one of the early apostles, I should say, and he uh, is, is a different Philip. That's Philip the Apostle. We're talking today, we're looking at a story today about Philip the Evangelist. This Philip was one of the seven deacons that's named in Acts chapter 6. You can read about that later, Acts chapter 6. At this point in the church's history, early on in the church's history, the church is starting to expand, it's starting to multiply to the point where they can't handle it all, the early apostles, and so they name these seven deacons to handle the administration, the business side, if you will, of the church. And Philip is one of those. So not only is the church multiplying at this time, the church at this time uh, that we are going to be reading about is under heavy persecution from all sides, really, but especially from their Jewish neighbors who are not happy with the fact that they have said Jesus is the Messiah. And so there's a group of people that is persecuting this early Christian movement led by a guy named Saul or Paul. We're going to look at his road trip story next week. Don't miss that. And so they're under persecution, which forces them to scatter out of Jerusalem. Now, there's some road trips we choose to go on, and there's some road trips we did not choose to go on. You know what I'm talking about? There's some journeys in life that we didn't sign up for, we didn't choose, but here's the truth. God is still with you on those road trips. In fact, I would say he's especially with you when you feel forced onto a road trip in life. And that's what's going on here with Philip as he goes on this road trip on a desert road. Let's read about it. Verse 26. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, I've walked some desert roads in the Holy Lands in this past year. This is one of two roads that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the road less traveled, which reminds us of another message from a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Julia. Verse 27. So he started out and he met the treasure of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture, he, that this, this eunuch had been reading, so somewhere along the way, this Ethiopian eunuch had become curious about the God of Israel, Yahweh, the Jewish faith. And he's reading this passage from Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah says this, he was like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb is silent before the shears. He did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone, someone else? Let's just pause here for a second because I want to pull some things, some, some nuances out of this passage. But what we have here is a guy named Philip who's on a road trip 
And, and the Lord speaks to him, and he goes, he stops first, and then he goes to stop for this person, this eunuch. Now, we can read that and go, that's nice. But, but this actually, the fact that, that Philip stops for this Ethiopian eunuch is nothing short of earth-shattering, mind-blowing, life-changing. World, it's world-like rocking. It'll rock our worlds. But in order to get that, we really have to understand who this Ethiopian eunuch was. And so I want to take some time to, to tell you about who he was. He actually had a name. Church historians tell us that his name was Simeon Bacos, this Ethiopian eunuch. Simeon Bacos, who became a, a, a church leader in, in Ethiopia. So it really helped start the, the Christian movement in Ethiopia, Simeon Bacos. Now, Simeon was, as we've heard, from Ethiopia, and he was a servant, a slave, as eunuchs were slaves. He was a prominent slave. He had been a good slave, if you will, and, ro- and he rose to prominence in the household of the monarchs who were female monarchs. Ethiopia at the time was ruled by strong female monarchs called the Candakes. Now, this was unfortunate, not because they were female, okay? Female leaders. But it was unfortunate for Simeon because in order to be a slave in a a, a household of a female monarch, he had to be a eunuch. Now, some of you know what that means. Some of you don't. I don't want to get too anatomical about this. But, but, but if you need to understand what it means to be a eunuch, look up castrate in the Bible, or in, not in the Bible, in the dictionary. <laughs> Let's just say that there were some, some interesting circumstances around, around Simeon's sexuality. Now, as he, this eunuch, Simeon, was on his way back from Jerusalem, he was o- almost for certain feeling confused, rejected, dejected by what he had experienced in Jerusalem. Because Simeon had come from Ethiopia, curious, wanted to know more about this God that he was reading about in the Old Testament scriptures, wanting to to understand how he too can be a part of this, this family of God, the people of God. And then he gets to Jerusalem, and here's what he finds out. According to the Old Testament scriptures, in another place, eunuchs, he's a eunuch, remember, are not allowed to be a part of the family of God according to Deuteronomy, the law. Here's another thing he finds out. When he gets to the temple where where it was believed people could experience and encounter God most directly, most fully, he gets to the temple and he's allowed to go into the outer court as a Gentile, as a foreigner, a non-Jewish person, but then he gets to a sign. We've talked about this recently even. A wall with a sign on it that makes it very clear that Gentiles are not allowed into the inner court. In fact, the, the sign says, says this, just to give you the full picture here. It said, and archaeologists have found a fragment of this, of this sign, no foreigner is to go beyond the balustrade and the plaza of the temple zone. Whoever is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his death, which will follow. They were serious about not letting someone like Simeon, this Ethiopian, foreigner, Gentile eunuch, into the inner court where it was believed people could experience God, as close to the holy of holies in the temple as you could get as someone who wasn't a priest. 
Are you getting a sense for this? How Simeon was traveling back to his home, feeling confused and rejected and dejected. Are you also getting a sense for why it was, it was mind-blowing? It, it was just earth-shattering that, that Philip, as a Jewish man, would stop for Simeon. On paper, there was no good reason for Philip to stop, but he does, he stops his, everything, his road trip, this road trip that he's on, he, he stops everything so that he can stop for Simeon. In doing so, Philip is an inspiring example for us. I hope something's stirring, an inspiring example for us of what it means to be a Jesus follower. Why does Philip stop for someone like Simeon? Because he knew that Jesus would. That's how we should think as Jesus followers. The other, the other gift that Philip gives us in, in this passage of scripture gives us, it helps answer the question, what is worth stopping for? Right? What, what are those things? We never have to wonder, should I stop or worry? Am I wasting my time? Did I just waste an hour of my life that I'm never gonna get back in Trinkaville? <laughs> we don't have to wonder. And I wanna talk about these three roadside attractions that are always worth stopping for. And if you're taking notes, you can jot them down. The first one is, has, has to do with this idea that, that God led Philip, to go to the carriage. We could, we could describe this in a lot of ways. I like the word nudge. God gives Philip a nudge. Would you just nudge the person next to you and say, hey, wake up. All right. Holy Spirit nudge. That's what Philip gets here. It's like he's going down the, the way and, and he gets this nudge. Hey, go over to the, the carriage here. He doesn't know what he's gonna find there. He doesn't know why he's being nudged to go there, but he, but he goes you know what this nudge feels like? Some of you do. Sometimes it's, it's like a thought that drops. Sometimes it's, it's someone speaking to you. Like, why did you say that? But very clearly, God's speaking through you. Sometimes we do hear God's voice in a variety of ways. You know, sometimes, in fact, most of the time, I would say it's like this compelling sense that you're just supposed to do something. Whether we would consider ourselves believers or not, we've probably had that sense of like, yeah, I'm just supposed to, I don't know why, it doesn't make sense, it takes me out of my comfort zone a little bit, it's a lot, but, but I'm supposed to do something. You know, these nudges. On our trip back, I, I usually, on these um, trips to Washington in the summer, I come back, I come back because I have to work. I come back early, a few days early before Jen and, and the boys. Actually, it's so nice to have a quiet house, but don't tell them that, okay? It's so quiet. Anyway, and, and so as I'm, I'm flying back, uh, I just had one of those senses, this nudge, like I'm supposed to talk to the person next to me, and I didn't want to. I mean, I'm just being honest. I'll be even more honest. I never talked to the person this is not a very inspiring example of what to do with a nudge, all right? But I was working on this message, so I just internally justified it and blamed it on you because I had to have a message ready. <laughs> Don't feel too guilty. Anyway, so then I got off the plane, and, I, and, and you turn your phone on, you know, and I got a text from our care pastor, Pat Moe, and she said, there's a family that would like for you to do uh, their, their loved one's memorial service. And as soon as I got that text, even though I was coming back, it was going to be a full week, and I'm, I was preparing a message for this weekend and catching up and all that stuff, it was so clear there's this nudge, I'm supposed to do that service. And that I did respond to, and I'm so glad I did. What are those nudges? There are two people in 
um, this community uh, that, that have made a life out of following God's nudges. <laughs> They've committed their lives to it. Pastors Larry and Susan Fannin are deployed pastors from Hosanna. And a, and a few years ago, they, they sold, this was their retirement plan. I call it their refirement plan. They sold everything they owned and bought an RV. Look at that thing. That there's an RV, all right? And they, they travel all over the country, all 50 states they've been to now. They've prayed over, over all 50 states. But they travel all over just listening to God, being open to his nudges, God, where are you calling us to go? One of the many things I do, I just love this, they do psalm readings. <laughs> you know, they, say, they approach people and say, hey, would, would you like a psalm reading? Everyone thinks they're saying palm reading. So they're like, sure, okay. <laughs> and then they have this jar of psalms and they pull one out and say, we believe this psalm is for you. And they have story after story after story of how that impacts people's lives. But here's the story. I, I, there's so many I could share, but I had to share this one with you. It said, we had been traveling all day and we came across a campground and felt like we should stop there. The campground was empty except for one other camper. Guess where our assigned site was? Yes, right next to him. We got settled and went to introduce ourselves. We met Glenn that evening around a campfire. We asked Glenn how he came to stay in this campground. He told us his family used to camp here when his kids were younger. Then just he and his wife came. She had recently passed away, and she made him promise to still go camping here. We looked around and saw that he had set up both of their chairs around the campfire. Glenn kept his promise, and this was his first time camping alone without his wife in honor of her. The rest of the evening, he shared with us all about his wife and their life together. He shared that he was afraid to be here alone and was thankful we came. God didn't want Glenn to be alone either, so he sent us to come and love on Glenn. As the evening came to an end, we prayed for him and thanked him for sharing his evening with us. Isn't that an amazing story? It's powerful. It touches us deeply. Like one nudge, go to this campground for Glenn so that he, the very first time, without his wife camping there, could have some companionship and some comfort these nudges are important. And they may not make sense to us. We may not know why. Like Philip, we might go, why are you calling me to go up to that carriage? But it can make all the difference. It can make all the difference. So how are you being nudged? I'm just asking you pastorally. It's my job. It's what I do. <laughs> how are you being nudged? Because you are. In some way, even now, God may be nudging you. And here's what I want to tell you. Those nudges, they're always worth stopping for. You never have to wonder. Is that worth? Always. How do we know if it's God? We come to know his voice. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. The more we get to know him, the more we know his voice. That's why we want you to grow and be fully engaged here at Hosanna. So Philip, Philip is, is hearing that God's voice. He's nudged. He goes to the carriage. And here's where we find the second the second roadside attraction that's always worth stopping for, and it's almost always the reason why we're nudged. The, 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 the second thing that's always worth stopping for is other people, others. Always people. I mean, for, for, for Philip, it's, it's Simeon. For the Fannins, it's Glenn. <laughs> if people, you don't, have to, you don't have to wonder, ah, should I invest in people? Are people worth my time? 
If I stop here and, and have a short conversation with somebody, is that, am I gonna be regretting that? <laughs> people, people, people matter to God. They matter to God's people. People, always worth stopping for. And we see this example in, in Philip and, and he's on the road as a Jesus follower, this road trip, and he stops for Simeon. People are always worth stopping for, especially people like Simeon who are asking questions about, about God. Who is God? And, and they're confused and they're feeling rejected. Do they belong? Who are those people in your life that are they're like that? They're not sure what they believe. They're interested. They're curious even. Are we stopping for those people? People are worth stopping for, again, like Simeon who have been wounded. He was wounded. Who, who you know, have been rejected People who have been enslaved like Simeon, he was a slave. People who need to know is that they don't need to stay slaves, that they don't need to stay in their hurt. They can be healed and they can be set free. People are worth stopping for. And you know this, Hosanna. You know this because you do this. I see it over and over and over and over again. And yeah, we could all probably do it a little bit more like me on the plane, right? I don't know what I missed there. Hopefully someone else will stop for him, right? But people, you know this because a few weeks ago we had Minnesota Teen Challenge here, the choir, were you here for this? Wasn't that inspiring? Go back and check it out online and you can hear the stories and, and the message from that weekend. But, but you were asked to respond to a special offering for people who are in those situations and you gave overwhelmingly out of generosity and, and you gave $32,401.50 right there. I like saying that 50 cents because someone gave that 50 cents, right? You stopped for people. You stopped spending money on whatever you would have spent that money on whether it was 50 cents or $50, and, and you stopped for others and gave it to them so that somehow, some way, they, they could be touched and impacted and, and transformed. That's what it looks like, people. And this, this memorial service that I did, I mentioned it earlier in the text that I got, uh, it, it was a big part of my week and, and impacted me deeply, touched me deeply in, in a variety of ways. And still actually working on me, the, the experience. During the service, we do this for all services. We call our memorial services celebrations of life. And so as we were celebrating the life of this person, we, we, in most services, we have a video of pictures from this person's life. And as I'm watching this, all these pictures, these images, these memories of loved ones and, and the experiences that they had together, I'm just starting to bawl. And, and uh, that doesn't happen to me all that often, honestly. And, and that's fine, except for I had to get up and speak right after this. I mean, I'm like a mess. I was able to pull it together, but, but I was touched for a number of reasons. This person's life, the family, and what they're going through now. But I also started to think about the fact that every single person on the face of this planet has a video like that has a video that's filled with people and stories, a life that's had ups and downs and everything in between, precious people, every single one. And that we, as God's people, as followers of Jesus Christ, inspired by the example of Philip, stories like the one we heard from the Fanons, we have to stop for people. We have to. We, we, we can't afford to spend too much time in Trinketville. 
Right? We, we've got to stop for people, their very lives, the hope that they're looking for, the healing that they are longing for. I have to stop. I, I'm, I'm deeply convicted, and as the lead pastor here, I want to say this is going to be a church that stops for people no matter where they're coming from, no matter where they are on their roads. So Philip, he stops, he gets that nudge, he gets alongside the carriage, and, and Simeon invites him in. But, but they don't just chit-chat, you know? It's not just chit-chatting about the weather or the chariot races the next day or whatever they might have chit-chatted about in those days. Look at, look at what they talk about here. Verse 35 in Acts chapter 8 says, So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, stop. And they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Would you please join me in in experiencing the the deep, deep meaning behind what what I just read you. Remember Simeon and his journey to Jerusalem and his ride back? What he ran into Jerusalem is, you don't belong, you're a eunuch, you're not welcome here because there's that sign on the wall that says Gentiles, foreigners aren't allowed. And now, as Philip explains to him who God really is in Jesus Christ, he's like, oh, that's the God that I thought I was seeking after. That's the God that, Jesus, yes, stop, stop. He stops. Once he gets Jesus, he's like, stop. I can stop doing everything else and, and looking and, 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 and trying to find God everywhere else, and I can stop because Jesus is always worth stopping for. What Philip does for Simeon is he points him to the most important roadside attraction of all. The ultimate roadside attraction, attraction is Jesus Christ. This is, I can say this with more conviction than anything else I've said to you. You never, ever, 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 ever have to wonder if you spent the right time (laughs) if you suffer Jesus. If you spent your time the right way, you never have to worry, you never have to wonder. Getting to know Jesus, you know, learning about Jesus, following Jesus more with you. You never have to wonder, you never have to worry. Did I spend my time? No. Not a second you spend with Jesus is wasted. Not one. Hear that. Now, even if you're not sure what you believe yet about Jesus, I, I, can, I can say, even then, even if that's where you are, it is worth your time to, to, to check out Jesus, to get to know him. His teaching is radical. It's countercultural. His compassion overflows. It's life-transforming, and I would challenge you, okay? Just challenge you if that's where you'd say you are. I'm not even sure if I believe Just spend some time with him. You will not regret it. You are not wasting your time. And Philip, he he shows Simeon, Jesus is the one worth stopping for. Philip really becomes a Christ figure for Simeon. He stops, and that's what, in stopping for Simeon, he becomes a Christ figure, and, and and he helps Simeon see that Jesus is worth stopping for. You know what else he helps Simeon see? He helps them see that God is always willing and waiting to stop for you, Simeon. He's always, he's not the God of the wall, you know, that's this barrier. He's not the God that's saying, no, you don't belong. Or you, he's, he's, a, he's Jesus' God saying, you are welcome here. I, I, I love you. I am pursuing you. I am always willing to stop for you. And the other, this is, this is good. 
The other thing that Philip helps Simeon see is that there is nothing, nothing stopping Simeon from coming to Jesus. There is nothing, not, not his past, not the unique circumstances around his sexuality, not, not his race, not his nationality, not a thing that is stopping him from coming to Jesus. Do you know the same is true of you? Do you know the same is true of you and the people around you? There's no barrier, there's no hang up, there's no need to like, need to get up and clean up. You are welcome. We've been watching the Olympics again and, and, and that statue You've seen it if you've watched the Olympics of Christ the Redeemer over Rio. I love that statue. It's, so, it's iconic. It's iconic for, for that city and that country, but, but it, it also captures the very nature of God in Jesus Christ. Where you're saying, hey, my arms are open. You are welcome. It's not this. It's this. It's not, you know, the hands up saying, stop, don't come to me. It's hands, arms Wide open. Jesus. Nothing's stopping you, Simeon. And think about this. I mean, Philip gets a nudge, stops for somebody else, points him to Jesus. It changes this person's life, changes Philip's life. He's never going to be the same. And it changes a country, the country of Ethiopia. Just one little stop. On the road, it changes everything for a country where even now, Christian Ethiopians would point back to this story and to Simeon Bacos and say, that's kind of where it all started for us here in Ethiopia. Even Christians today, 2,000 years later, like Amentius Buba, you heard of him? Some of you have. He's a pastor, an Ethiopian pastor that comes to speak here. And by the way, some of you are asking, is he coming back sometime? Here's my answer, yes. <laughs> when? Just keep coming every weekend and you'll find out. Sooner than you might think. So here's the question. We started here. What are you stopping for? What are you stopping for? Are you stopping for the right things? Or are you stopping for Trinketville? Souvenir Central. <laughs> things that might seem really important. There's a lot of hype. There's a lot of buildup. There's signs from 400 miles away. And then you get there and you go, really? Really? Are you stopping for the things that are close to the heart of God? Are you stopping for the things that matter most? Are you stopping for people? You know, I, again, as a pastor, I just, it's my job, I wanna challenge you a little bit. There's a lot to think about, there's a lot going on in our lives. If we tried to tackle what I'm talking about today in one fell swoop, it would be overwhelming. So I just wanna challenge you to do one thing. One thing. Because it's gonna take time, we gotta free up our lives. There's a lot going on. And so my pastoral you know, road trip challenge for you is what is one thing, you can write it down if you want to, what is one thing that you can stop doing or maybe start doing in order to start stopping for what matters most? Just one thing. I'm a golfer and if I focus on more than one thing in my golf swing, it gets all messed up. Just one thing that you could do. And I'm not overstating this. I'm not, you know, exaggerating here. If we were to each take that seriously, that challenge, it would, it would change things. It would change. What if we did that? What if we each took that challenge, stopped doing something? You know, maybe it's I know, just the idea of social media and spending less time on Facebook so you can really be face-to-face -face with people more. Imagine that. 
Maybe it's stop thinking about that new house or the, making our current homes nicer and, and start thinking more about people who don't have a house. Or maybe, maybe it's this fall, stop watching football. Okay, let's not get crazy here. Watch less football. <laughs> DVR, okay? I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But I'm telling you, what would, what would it look like? Here's what it would look like. It would look like a movement of people multiplying the kingdom of God across the South Metro and beyond. That's what it would look like. It would look like, just like Philip and Simeon, 2,000 years later, people talking about the stops that we made along the way in our road trips. If there's something that stirs inside of you when you hear that, would you just say amen right now? Amen. Please stand for a closing blessing at both campuses. We're talking about nudges, we're talking about stopping, we're talking about responding, and I just sense that there are some people in the room, you're being nudged, it's not a coincidence, okay? Some, some forces would like us to believe that, but it's not true, and so maybe you're being nudged in a certain way, and, and specifically, you're being nudged to come for prayer. Maybe about that nudge or that step that you feel like, yeah, God's calling me to do this or that, or to stop for somebody. And so today, would you not have to do what I did getting off that plane and regret not stopping? <laughs> Come for prayer. Up front, trained prayer ministers are ready to pray with you or in the prayer room. And we'd also ask, talk about stopping for people that you turn in those volunteer cards on your way out. But before you go, receive this blessing. God wants to bless you. You are worth stopping for for him. Receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week, road trip.